Welcome to Mystery House Sires and Sorry, I laughed because you paused like you forgot how the podcast starts. No! I was taking a breath, but giving it a break so it wouldn't be like, Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast. Yep. That's not how our podcast starts. (laughs) Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. And uh, we are back with Riverdale. We took last week off because Riverdale took last week off, and we're beholden to their (laughs) schedule. We can't do it anymore. If we watch other shows, we forget where Riverdale is. Oh, and there's things I have forgotten about Riverdale. I forgot that Archie's mom had a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, Brooke. Brooke. Yeah, we haven't seen her in a while. She's a Navy lady. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot of things in this. I Um, forgot that Ethel was a character. Yep. Um, This this is an awkward episode. So... We talked about this before, how we usually watch the episode together. Yeah. We watched it alone, obviously, yep. because quarantine. Yep. Um, and I actually had to pause it so I could stop and laugh I... and, like, look around my living room with my jaw dropped as if someone else was there to partake in this moment with me. <laughs> it took me an hour and a half to watch this episode. I had to... I paused and did research. <laughs> I paused because I'm like, no way, and I had to look stuff up, or I just had to th- had I moments happen where I had to get my thoughts in order. Um, so this our our episode might be real in depth about stuff. <laughs> I didn't look anything up. I just looked around my apartment house, looked around my apartment, slack jawed. Like I was trying to look up. Happening. I was trying to look up um uh references to see if. They were they, Lynchian? They were, yeah, if they were referencing Lynch. They may, I found one reference to Lynch. I'm sure there are more that I didn't uh, notice. Yeah, I wish I was a Lynch fan. I'm I'm also not uh, much I mean, of a fan of the Lynch oeuvre. There's nothing wrong with Lynch. It's just not... There's so much content in the world, and yeah. it's just not a content that I've chosen to take in yet. Yeah, and I mean, I, I like Twin Peaks. I like Mulholland Drive, but that's pretty much the... I know about Eraserhead, um, but that's pretty much the extent of my actual... have. I know a lot about David Lynch because I went to film school and he's a filmmaker. Um, but the actual like absorbing of his content, uh, I just haven't just haven't done. It. And I can hear it already right now. All the film students out there being like, "Well, you have to watch David Lynch." Well, while other people were watching David Lynch, I was watching Ghost Game, which is about a game that has a ghost in it, and there's a character named Cousin Ted, and he keeps Fresca in his flask. Yeah, yeah, I see that's about that's about the uh, quality level we're looking at. <laughs> Basically the same. Basically the same. Let's get into this episode, I think. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Cuz this is this is the penultimate episode of this season as we have learned. They're They had to stop production and so they stopped production and So three episodes are out. Uh we'll we'll see where next uh episode ends. It actually wouldn't surprise me honestly this if this is a the next episode is a fine ending point because they do these episodes work in waves kind and, of and it feels like we're reaching the top of a tiny wave so we might so when we hit the bottom we might take a quick break yeah, yeah. all right well this is Riverdale season four episode eighteen Lynchian Lynchian. <laughs> This 
episode's title is not a reference to um to a movie it's a reference to a bunch of movies i guess is the way to put it and jughead explains it to us immediately in the first voiceover (laughs) yeah so (laughs) initially jughead (laughs) gives a the dictionary defines lynchian as an adjective inspired by noted american filmmaker david lynch or Mixing together the macabre and the mundane. Specifically says the incredibly macabre and the incredibly mundane. Which, which is not what Riverdale does. No, it, I would say that probably describes what I've seen of Lynch. I don't think this episode is particularly Lynchian. And we will get to the tone of this episode. Which is everywhere. So uh, we begin with clarifying... Uh, the qu- uh, question that only I had. <laughs> Which was, how did no one notice that tape was a tape? Yeah, so number one, the tape is real. And we do quickly learn that essentially some that when they dropped off a whole bunch of tapes, someone dropped off the one and added it to the... And this tape did only have Jughead and Betty fake murder on it. There was no house and then cut to it, so... No, no, it was... I, I can I just say, this episode is shot so well. There are so many cool shots. The introduction where the camera pans over into the forest and then you get, like, this VHS um, tracking mm, stuttering mm-hmm. or the above shot. I do not why these, know why these people have a top-loading VCR. Um <laughs> Because that's super old. Like, that's not even normal VCR technology. I also don't think that was the VCR they were using in earlier episodes. Um, but you get this cool shot where you look into the the tape. The tape is all blacked out and looks like there's a, like, red, which kind of looks like blood on it. And this whole pop... It's this... Summarizing, this episode is beautifully shot. Let's get into the writing. Now, maybe they want us to remember that Jellybean exists. Maybe Jellybean will have a storyline eventually, but she does briefly pop in in this scene. <laughs> and will not be seen again for the rest of the episode. And essentially Jughead is like, no! It's too dark! I mean, to be fair, it's a representation of him being yeah. murdered by representation of Betty. Um, Charles calls Jughead his brother in this scene. I don't like that. It made me feel gross. It is, in fact, true, though. I know it's true. It made, it made me feel gross. <laughs> Charles has always really aligned himself with the Coopers, not the Joneses, even though he is technically a Jones. Yeah. <laughs> so Maybe this is why Jughead and Betty have to break up. Maybe someone in the writing staff was just like, I'm not comfortable with it. it they're siblings. <laughs> well, I mean, well, no, they're not siblings. They're... They, they share a sibling. Yeah. <laughs> and their parents are dating, and they live in the same house as teenagers. Really, the parents are dating is feels like the weirdest part of Betty and Jughead's relationship. Though, describing it as, okay, so Jughead's brother is his girlfriend's half-brother, and currently his girlfriend's mom is dating his half-brother's dad? <laughs> You've made it more complicated than you need to. Uh, uh, but Jughead wants to chase this, but Betty's, she's kind of done. Yeah, she, she's done with mysteries, but Charles or is, is like, she? Ooh. Charles is like, but I want you, Jughead. Come on, brother. <laughs> I the only way I could read this episode, by the way, is that Charles is evil. Because if Charles is not the bad guy in this, the things he does in this episode are wild and possibly illegal. But also, in line with Riverdale, yeah, like Riverdale might see no problem with a random teenager just being a part of the FBI. <laughs> it's true. Let's clarify: Jughead is in the FBI. Remember how Betty went through that FBI training and also. Kevin Keller? Yeah. <laughs> that was Jughead. 
All right, let's get into the B story. Um, Hiram is in a great mood. Yeah. Because he sold all of his rum to a new unexplored market, which is Elio's Casinos. <laughs> okay. I need I need Hiram Lodge to stop referring to Elio as the one in charge. Elio is the child of the family. No, to be fair, he just said the family's name. But then Veronica said, you mean Elio? And he said, yes. <laughs> well, he doesn't correct her. Also... Veronica says, she's like, oh, you're working with Elio shady ass again. I'm like, Veronica, you're shady. You might be shadier than Elio is. You're a child who sells illegal rum. However. However, <laughs> Things Veronica, are about to change. Veronica did not want that casino business. She was not interested in that market. Also, remember when Hiram did other things like own a prison and have like a thriving real estate business? This show has a wild problem. It seems very specific to Hiram where Hiram will shift between things like Homer Simpson where he'll have a different job and never mention all the other jobs he's had. Is he still in the mafia? Who knows? What I am choosing to believe is he knows that the rum makes Veronica the most angry, so he focuses on the rum when he's talking to her, but hopefully he's also doing other business and being the mayor. It's it's unclear, but that is the best way to look at this. Anyway, Veronica's not interested in those casinos because she has a new product and a new market, and her market is college students, and her product is Maple Claws, <laughs> which is the grossest thing I have ever heard of, and that's when I have to pause the DVD. The, it's not a DVD. <laughs> I have to pause Netflix and scream to the heavens. I, I also had to stop there. I had to stop and the the spider webs of my mind started reaching out and being like, so does this mean White Claw does not exist in the Riverdale world, or does it? And is Veronica clearly ripping off White Claw, neither of which would surprise me. Also, maple rum and soda water? <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, I have to ugh. imagine it's not soda water. So what is it? I don't, I don't know. I... Oh, God, we see Maple Claw at one point, and it's not in a can, and it infuriates me. Because, god damn, do I love the idea of all these students getting clawed in the <laughs> in the Riverdale universe. And that's all, that's all in my head now, is that in the Riverdale universe, now these kids are getting clawed off of Maple Claw. <laughs> They're just drinking their cans of Maple Claw, shotgunning them, and shouting, There ain't no laws when you're drinking claws! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> This this is the first hint I think that's that <laughs> that these these fighting these fighting of writing teams are really fighting in this moment because this just the, just this weird joke about White Claw feels so tonally out of place. But they will stick to it. Oh God! Oh, do you want to see the C storyline, Aaron? Oh God! There's four storylines in this episode, and none of them touch each other. Sure is in the C storyline. Kevin and Fangs are just casually counting their money in a classroom at school, and in comes Reggie being like, hey, you have money. I want money. Give me your scam. Drug dealing? I forgot about the tickling. <laughs> How did you forget about the tickling? I just assumed they would drop it. Well, they didn't, <laughs> well, and now Reggie's a part of it. Okay, speaking of Toad, this scene, in fact, this storyline feels more in line with a new girl. 
I don't like this storyline, though. Like, I don't like that they make everything on the show dark and seedy. And there's so many criminal elements in this one small town that's supposed to be the town with spirit. Yeah, it's... Too many criminals. Get out of here. Yeah, it, it's just... It feels... It, 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 like, this essentially is a kind of a, uh, a pseudo-lighthearted thing treated tonally super, super dark. Because you can imagine in a sit- sitcom just being, like, people starting a tickling business. Yeah. And that being a joke. But they take it deadly seriously. And that could almost be a also. subversion in itself. But instead, it's just uncomfortable. Especially when you put it in line with the other storylines of this episode, which are so incredibly dark, that having this lighthearted one treated darkly, they also clarify every single time it's not sexual. But I have, I'm sorry to break it to you, it's very sexual. Even though you keep your clothes on, you don't have to take your clothes off for things to be sexy. Just because you're not having sex does not mean it's not sexual. They keep saying it's an endurance sport. And can I just say, Reggie believes that a hundred and a thousand percent. And Reggie will go to the grave believing that. It's, it's not sexual. <laughs> well, remember this Reggie. No, this Reggie does love Archie. Uh, yeah. Not as much as first Reggie, but. Yeah, no, it's. Ooh. My friends and I uh, recently had a digital movie night where we watched um, P.S. I Love You Too, which is yeah. not what it's called. Okay. But uh, the actor who plays first Reggie yeah. is in it. Oh, and we him. could not be bothered to remember his name. So we just referred to him as Reggie for the entire movie. Ah, first Reggie. Classic. Uh, so let's hit the fourth storyline because the D story will also exist. In the fourth storyline, Archie plays guitar, and he thinks about kissing Betty, and also he thinks about army school. Meanwhile, Betty reads her childhood diary from fifth grade, which I guess is when she met Archie, which makes no sense. Yeah. But she does say, I fell in love with the boy... Next door. Next door. Next door. I couldn't remember what it said. His name is Archie. He has a cute dog. Well, that's that's sort of the point, Aaron. She actually says, I fell in love with the boy next door across the street, but depending... It's kind of like the, the Yanni... Uh, oh, whatever you hear is true. Yeah, or the the, the dress, which is, like, is it blue and... Uh, blue and black, blue or and is black. it gold and... Sil- yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like that. Did you hear across the street? Did you hear next door? But what I'm troubled with is she met him when they were in grade five? That doesn't make any sense. Both of their families are long-running Riverdale people from Riverdale. Yeah, the reason we know it's five, by the way, is because Alice comes in and says, oh, grade five, uh, uh, fifth grade. Though, I have to... That was a saucy diary. Oh, yeah. Um, Alice makes a very inappropriate joke about the time she used to, um, you know, violate her daughter's privacy, and Betty goes, oh, mom. So, I guess we're just laughing about those things now. Also in the scene, Alice says, Betty, what could you possibly have to cry about? (laughs) This, this episode is so full of people willingly forgetting the past the fact that that is not a plot point or a character or like character point is wild to me everyone consistently forgets of all the tragedies that has happened beforehand it's crazy and, and it, I, I and think it, the timeline's wrong there is no way well i guess they could have moved there i have i'm i'm choosing to imagine I'm choosing to imagine that actually what it is is that Betty has Betty's before fifth grade, Betty's diary was essentially like kindergarten, first, second, like like she had one diary that hit up to first, and then she really started getting into it. <laughs> That's fair. So I think she was just like looking at the back of the like essentially like, ah, oh, this was mostly fifth grade. 
I just the way she writes the entry is like I just met Archie he's across the street I love him and you're like how did you just meet him that's what I have the most trouble yeah. with also in this scene um, Aaron sort of mentioned it but uh, Alice will say what could you possibly cry about and she's doing this sort of in reference to the fact that um, in a couple of months she's going to go to Yale and this sort of brings up a half storyline where certain people in one exact moment, and usually it's like this huge break here, like we'll mention it now, then later, people are talking about like, oh, and also we're going to uh, university or college uh, really soon, and we're kind of addressing the feelings behind it. I wonder if they are planning on skipping forward in time next season. Um, I mean... Maybe they'll line up with Katie Keene. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So um, back in the B storyline. Yes. Some frat boys come to buy some maple cloth from Veronica and Cheryl, and they also try to hire Veronica and Cheryl to come to the party. Well, they are still going to have a brothel. And Cheryl says no. And then some old dudes come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Aaron, sorry, I know we have to get to the old dudes. I just have <laughs> such a question about this business and how it's run. How is it run? It's run just like uh, quarantine liquor stores are run right now. You pay for your order ahead of time, then you come and do per- curbside pickup. Okay. On a website. Sorry, maybe I should clarify. These are, I'm assuming, overage college students. Uh-huh, 21-year-olds. Yeah, 21-year-olds buying alcohol from underage girl. It's like the reverse of a boot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess to be fair, by looking at them, they could be any age. I'm just, I'm confused how Veronica could run any sort of business at all of alcohol, because Penelope can't be the front. I mean, Penelope is there watching, though. <laughs> she is there watching. We'll get to her. So, uh, sorry, there's so much questions here, but the creepy man will come in. And the creepy man, the leader of them, the oldest old man, mm-hmm. is named Jinx Malloy. Is it Jinx or Jace? I wrote Jinx. Ah, who knows? The, it should also be clarified that these men look exactly the same, especially when we see them in dim light. You can't <laughs> so tell which one's you which. cannot tell which one is which. But they are of the Malloy family. Uh, Cheryl refers. I don't. They look like they come from a swamp. I don't know if there's a swamp in the area. Um, Cheryl does refer to them as the cast of Swamp Thing, which is a wild reference for Cheryl to make because that show is on for three episodes on DC Universe. Cheryl has a lot of time on her hands when she didn't <laughs> go to school. Yeah. She and the corpse of her brother and that doll just watched a lot of TV shows. <laughs> hey, JJ, I know you really like Swamp Thing. Here's this show that'll get canceled <laughs> 30 episodes in. Uh, but they, these Malloy family, have their own business. And they're very mad at the girls for infringing on their business because they sell maple moonshine to college students. What? <laughs> It so, didn't have to be maple, just so you know. It could have been they just sell moonshine to college students, which in of its own is wild. Why are college students buying moonshine? College students want white claws. Why are they buying why are college students buying maple moonshine from these hillbillies? These, yeah, hillbillies. What we can't get into why there why there's hillbillies in Maine, uh, or wherever this I think it's New York, wherever this show takes place. But Veronica believes <laughs> that this is Hiram 
doing this. And so she stands up to them amazingly. She does a great job. Yeah. Cheryl also does stand up to them at this moment, but that will quickly fall as, away. As soon as they leave, Cheryl's like, oh, my God, our illegal business had illegal elements? <laughs> I I just have to believe that Cheryl truly does not grasp anything. Like, uh, people talk about people being dumb or stupid or idiocy and that's sort of and there's a difference between ignorance which is not knowing something and not having the capability to learn things i don't think she has the capability to learn things you don't think it's willful ignorance Ooh, ooh. do you think she just chooses not to learn things (laughs) (laughs) it's impossible to tell at this point it's like it's like too good of a satire So meanwhile, Jughead and Charles watch hours and no, hours. No, Aaron, we, we, need, we need to discuss Penelope. <laughs> that she's just creepily watching the scene? Well, they gave Penelope a mask. They'll... She's not wearing it. No, yes, she is, Aaron. Was she wearing it? Aaron, they gave her a mask that looks like her face. Oh. She was wearing the mask in that scene, and I pointed at it, and I said... If I I know who Penelope Blossom is. That's clearly Penelope Blossom. It's done with makeup, and that that is a mask. The fact that you did not know she was wearing a mask is such a sign of how bad that mask was. She looks like Penelope Blossom. Yeah, I thought she was just creepily lurking. No, she's wearing a mask. It's a, like a porcelain weirdo mask. Oh man, <laughs> it's so, this is the fact that everybody doesn't come in and go. Why is Penelope Blossom in your corner? I think everyone forgot about her. <laughs> uh, she's wanted for murders. So while this is going on, luckily, all of the drop-offs of videos were recorded. So Charles and Jughead watch hours and hours, and then Jughead sees someone he knows! It's weird that they say that that um, Charles was like, there's hours of footage. I'm like, you don't have to watch, you don't just have to watch people drop off the tape. You don't have to watch all of it. Yeah, you can fast just, forward. Just when someone goes to the box. In fact, the FBI could, I, I have technology where you square out an area of the camera and whenever anything moves in that area, it like pulls those moments out. But they wanted to eat popcorn. It's true. Uh, and yes, Jughead sees someone that, that he knows on these VHS tapes that are on their Macs. So off he runs. Meanwhile, in the D storyline, Archie and Betty hang out in the sex bunker. And this scene is, like, very, very tense in a good way. Yeah. I really liked it. I do have to pay a little bit of attention to the fact that it does sound like Betty and Archie are talking to the director in this moment. (laughs) Because Betty goes, hey, do you know why we're here? And Archie goes, no, I don't. But I like it. This is nice, right? <laughs> but you know what? If you want to have a sexy hangout, don't surround yourself in candles. <laughs> yeah, I do not. I cannot fathom the events that led to this very moment that are not prompted by a director. Because they, they even talk about where their girlfriends and boyfriends are. So it's not like Betty was like, we got to go to the sex bunker because yeah. Jughead might see me. This might be the first time. Um, I don't want to spoil the rest of the story. And we'll get to it as we get to it because it's actually really good. It's only the first time that this series has nailed the dismount but really screwed the entire setup. Yeah. So I will say this D storyline. We said it was D. Yeah. Yeah. Really well done. And it helps that Lily Reinhardt, as we talked about before, is the strongest teen actor on the show. Unfortunately, a lot of being like, man, this is really good, kind of revolves around 
forgetting how we got to this episode. Yes. Like, like if if the if the if run we only had this and um, the origin of love episode. The yeah, because I felt like it was well done in the Hedwig episode. The problem is that it came out of them pretending to be boyfriend and girlfriend, and then just like going to just like not getting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a great setup. All right, reintroduction of a character we haven't seen in a while. The lead was Ethel. Ooh, Ethel. Uh, turns out she now Jughead follows in this episode such wild and meandering leads. They take such great jumps in logic. Because the reason he singled out Ethel is because he says that she's the only person with a direct connection to him and Betty that dropped off a tape. And I just can't believe that. She was the first teenager he saw who dropped off a tape. That's what I imagined it was. <laughs> because that that implies that no other... No other family sent their teenager to drop it off. It was yeah. only adults. Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah, it just seems so weird that he's like, no other person that we know. I mean, I guess maybe everyone that they know just gave their t- tapes to Jughead and Betty. Well, also, um, Charles was still watching video when Jughead ran off to pursue his lead. <laughs> so it was literally the first person he saw that he yeah, knew. It's, yeah, it seems very loose. But she says, no, I, I wouldn't do anything like that. Jughead, I just, I'm learning not to be a creep. Please, I just want to leave this town. <laughs> and Jughead's like, ah, got it. Mm, all right. Mm, mm, all right. Uh, back in the D storyline, we'll notice that there's a trend to how these scenes will go, because Betty reads another diary. And then she reminisces with Kevin a little bit about life and changes, and but then she's interrupted by Honey. Oh, yes, because Betty volunteered to be in charge of the yearbook, because of course she would. And apparently, despite the fact that this is now after March, this is definitely April, maybe May, <laughs> Yeah. Um, no one has been working on the yearbook all year, because no. you know yearbooks don't have a staff. Um, here's what I'm going to say that give give maybe a little bit. No, no, Mr. Honey has been the principal this entire year. Yeah, hasn't he she? gives her his headshot and says, "This is my headshot for the yearbook. You're in charge of it, right?" Yeah. Well, no, I'm trying to think of if he's been in charge of the entire year, right? Yeah, the entire because year. the cult thing happened over the summer, essentially, yeah. when Mr. Weatherby got out. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, this school always just has one person. The entire student. Like, pre- like, government is Cheryl. That's true. But this is a real, like, Marissa Cooper plot where she <laughs> takes something on and then doesn't oh, do anything with it until the last minute. Oh, Betty's entire storyline, Betty and Archie's entire storyline fit would fit in so much better in the OC. Literally, you have Archie being like, my heart is pulling me in two directions. I don't know what to do. Betty being like, oh, my God, the yearbook is coming up right now. I totally forgot about that. Of course, her thing is that she had to deal with a whole bunch of she mentions the i guess she volunteered last year yeah she yeah. volunteered last year between her dad trying to kill her and the black hood trying to kill her or sorry the gargoyle king yeah. trying to kill her and also the cult and mr honey's just like i'm aware of none of this and it does not phase me i think this year she didn't actually have a whole like she was sort of part of Jughead's old thing. I guess she had the thing where she thought she was a serial killer. And she did also run the quiz bowl team and then got removed from the blue and gold and suspended for a weekend. The only thing that would make the scene better is if we cut back to all the times of Mr. Honey reminding her about the, <laughs> the, yearbook. <laughs> the yearbook and her being like, uh-huh. I'll do it. So uh, he so he gives her his photo. He, it's, he Once again, he does something that's very reasonable, but in the most asshole-ish way, because he does say, TikTok. Better do the yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely should have gone to the printer, like... <laughs> if this is May, it should be at the printer already. Yeah, no, it's... Well, they do... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, 
So um, Jughead <laughs> and Charles decide to go check out theaters and movie stuff because Jughead thinks. Oh, Jughead has another leap in logic, which is that he thinks that maybe it's not a voyeur. Maybe it's a filmmaker. Because they made a film. <laughs> well, he's like, like, well, you saw that shot in the woods. Someone had to know what they're doing. Yes, a static shot. <laughs> they had one static shot. That means they're a filmmaker. But they hired actors and they no, had costume they... design. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on one damn second. What do you mean hired actors, Jughead? He kidnapped someone and murdered them in the woods. Does, does Jughead think that he hired actors? Jughead thinks no one got murdered in that video. Are we supposed to think that no one got murdered in that video? This is said with such confidence that it feels like the writer of this episode thought that we should have assumed that that was, uh, that no one got murdered. That was someone getting murdered. Kevin, that was just like a minstrel play, like you see in Hamlet when you see the play before the play. <laughs> oh my God, Jughead looked at us like, "Well, it's on a, it's on a tape. It means it's not real." <laughs> But we'll talk about that. He also ends with saying that, like, also, it's all on a videotape. The hallmark of a cinephile. Yes, Jughead. That's the one thing cinephiles love. Magnetic tape. They want that VHS. Cinephiles were like, the truly, the peak of filmmaking was a VHS. Can you imagine if they were dropping off film reels at everyone's house and everyone was setting up their projectors? Yeah, even, like, here's a 60-millimeter film, even 8-millimeter film. If you wanted us to believe that this was a filmmaker, and I don't think it's going to end up being one, but if you wanted us to even just go on this journey with Jughead, don't make him say that he thinks VHS is the peak cinephile filmmaking background. It's a wild thing for a human being to say. Meanwhile... Terry is really, really creepy at Reggie while paying them for their tickling videos. Terry's always been aggressively creepy. He's always like, yeah, you did really good in there. You got a good laugh. (laughs) Remember when Fangs first did it? It's true. It was always portrayed the first time as like they are being taken advantage of. But is it weird that that does not seem like the outcome of this? Is that they've learned that this guy is taking advantage of them? Well, Reggie has a look on his face. And is the look on his face that he's creeped out by Terry? No, the look on his face is that he knows how to do this tickling video better. Okay, guys, we're going to start an OnlyFans account. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do an OnlyFans account. We're going to get people to sign up. (laughs) Now, of course, he says we're going to make a website and put it behind a a paywall. But let's be clear. It's OnlyFans. They're making an OnlyFans account. And then he says that this will pay for their community college education, which (laughs) is this a shot at Fangs and Kevin? Him being like, hey, you guys are losers who can only go to community college. I don't I think for, is I think, Reggie rich? No, I think Reggie I mean, we know Reggie's well off ish because his dad and remember he repaired his relationship with his dad. After he beat up his car. Yeah, yeah, he beat up his car. Um I thought it was it was a it was an assumption that Reggie is not only smart enough to go to uh community college. Which is a which is which, absurd, which, which also a wild insult to community colleges. Like you have Reggie, to be dumb to go to them. You don't have to be dumb. Yeah, but Reggie is both smart and ambitious. It's it's a wild joke that there's no way to take it without it saying huge things. We sometimes we get in the weeds really about small minutia, but sometimes small minutia means a lot. Well, especially in this episode where everyone is talking about where they're going to school. Yeah, this this. This feels like it falls in line with the whole, like, oh, we're going to school. Like, we're going to college. We have to worry about that. Once again, the idea that this storyline 
or like this storyline adds uh, feels like it should not be in this show. <laughs> it should be in a different show. So, meanwhile, meanwhile, Jughead and Charles arrive at a 24-hour video store that's real creepy. Do called you know what it's called? Blue Velvet Video. Ooh, Blue Velvet is <laughs> is the name of a David Lynch film. Um, I looked up the other things they said, which were like Bijou Theater and uh, Par- Paramecium Records, and oh, yes. I couldn't find any any David Lynch reference to them. Well, that's why this is the one they went to. Yeah, as I was thinking as well. Um, so it's a 24-hour video sh- store. And the guy who works there has a uh, not-digital cash register. Can we clarify that this makes this town seem so small. I mean, to be fair, Charles does say places like this still exist, and Jughead's like, I guess so. Yeah, it... <laughs> the fact that there's a 24-hour video and they didn't think something sketchy is going on here shows how oh, either bad of an FBI agent Charles is, or he's somehow involved in this. So the guy keeps records of what's rented in a paper book, which he gives to Jughead and Charles he's, to look at. He has one page for each customer which once again there's two there's two moments in this episode that make Riverdale cuz Riverdale has always felt like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and now they're reminding us that makes it feel very small i mean i think even smaller than they intended to anyway, anyway. charles immediately finds <laughs> just opens the page who's e mugs and it's Ethel, and she's rented Friday the 13th ten times and, and this Ch- is suspicious and charles is going to profile the hell out of her <laughs> But, I mean, I definitely, as a teenager, rented movies ten times. No, it's, this is a wild leap, and this is the, a moment where I'm like, this feels like this can only work if Charles is evolved, so, involved somehow, and he's, like, framing Ethel. But, like, pourquoi? Yeah, well, it, the, the entire fact that he opened up the book there, they didn't even have him, like, oh, you can bring it back to the office with you. And they end up in the office after that, so they could have done a shot where they brought it back, and then he was looking through but it. he had to ask who E. Muggs was. Mm-hmm. And you could, it could have said Ethel Muggs, let's be yeah. clear. Anyway, so Jughead's like, I mean, I watch creepy movies a lot, too. I've seen Eraserhead a bazillion times. Like, you were the, you're the one who made it. You're also a filmmaker. My God, the profile's all coming together. And Jughead's like, hey, don't pursue Ethel. And Charles is like... Don't pursue Ethel. <laughs> Charles does have other reasons. He also says, like, she was obs- she, you already said she's obsessed with you, True. Jughead. He doesn't have a reason to pick her out of a book, but... But, like, mm. once they talk about Ethel. Yeah. Um, he, Jughead does try to defend her by saying she, there's no way... She, like, this would take so much time. There's no way she has the bandwidth to, to film hundreds of hours of video. True. She's supposed yeah. to be at school. Yeah. So, meanwhile, meanwhile, because it's still nighttime, and during the night, the Malloys break into the Maple Club. Veronica gets a phone call. She goes there, and Cheryl is very concerned about her mumsy safety. Oh, my God. Veronica as well. Veronica says, Miss Penelope, I am so sorry this happened to you. I'm like, you guys are keeping her captive in a secret room in the in the brothel that she's not allowed to leave, and you're like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, there has to be a, we have not yet reached the limit on this show of what is the worst thing someone can do that they cannot come back from. Now, some people have died, which means they haven't, but it maybe maybe for all we know, um, maybe they're forgiving Hal. Well, I, I was more of a thing, like maybe, uh, oh God, what's, what was Penelope's husband's Clifford. name? Clifford. Maybe if Clifford hadn't have died, he would have gotten his redemption. I mean, they have tortured Penelope. Cheryl smoked her out of the walls. <laughs> it's so weird for them to be like, we're, 
We're so sorry this happened to you, Penelope. <laughs> you must have been so scared. But Penelope's like, I try to murder all of you. <laughs> now, Veronica is not actually particularly concerned about Penelope. She is mostly furious at her father. And her father, which I wrote out earlier, please let this be true, goes, who? What? <laughs> what do you mean the Malloy? Don't. I don't work with the Malloys. Veronica, <laughs> the Malloys are swamp people. Something is so great about the fact that Veronica, with all her, like, this episode does so much to make Veronica get hoisted by her own arrogance. Because she's like, like, everything is about me and my dad. So, of course, these guys <laughs> coming in to rough up my business must work for my dad. And to be fair, everyone works for Hiram. It's so true. It's- but in this case, nope, because they're swamp people. Yep. Um, and Hiram's like, I will burn them to the ground. Veronica responds by saying, no, dad, I just, I don't think you're strong enough. I don't need your help. I'll deal with it my own way. I'm like, Veronica, he, it doesn't have to do with his strength. He's part of the mafia. He's not going to go and fist fight the Malloys by himself. That's not how he works. So an interlude, Archie works on a song, Veronica. Or Betty continues to read her diary. Archie comes to visit her and volunteers to help with the yearbook. And Betty's like, no, I can't be a part of this. <laughs> um, Jughead goes to the school and very charmingly charms the school secretary into giving him information about Ethel. And about the AV club. Can anyone get the equipment? No, only someone who's in the AV club. Is Ethel in the AV club? Yes, she's the leader. Also, some nice FBI agent asked me the exact same questions like three minutes ago. <laughs> and I see nothing weird about this. <laughs> <sighs> um, so when Reggie decided that he wanted to start his own business, he gave Kevin one job, which was to tell Terry they're not doing tickle videos anymore. And Kevin, because he's a child. Yeah. Lies to Terry. Yeah, he says, I'm not doing... I just... I can't do it anymore. I gotta go to college. I just... I'm I'm not in the tickle business anymore, Terry. And Kevin... Kevin the character, not Kevin, my brother. Yeah. You gotta be an adult. You gotta tell people the hard truths. We'll come back to this. Yeah, it's in your tickle video. Um, (laughs) Which... Continues into possibly the best scene ever. (laughs) Which is... (laughs) Reggie... Pitches the tickling videos to the football team in their locker room. And they're interested, but they would prefer if some of the videos, not, they don't say all of them, they say, could some be co-ed? This feels like this has to be the clarification that this town is wildly progressive. Because not once does any of, or maybe just the show doesn't want anything to be seen as gay bashing, which Considering all the other things, it feels very same with Mr. Honey, where they didn't want him to actually be homophobic. Like, homophobic. None of the fo- fo- football players go like, no, dude, that's gay. And someone goes, no, that's weird, man. Hey, could we have girls sometimes in the videos? <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with tickling each other, but occasionally they should be co-ed, man. Or else then it's weird. <laughs> like, the, you know what? The football players at... The football player, the high school football players at this high school, maybe they're allowed to be somewhat uncomfortable with their sexuality because they're teenagers and maybe they'll, they will be like, I don't want you to touch me, man, that's gay. They're still trying to find themselves out. That's fun. We, we've, I, I would like to believe we won't hold against them in that moment because they're dumb teenagers who are still figuring things out. But Kevin, not everyone is as open-minded and progressive as you and I. Or these, or apparently these <laughs> football players. 
so Reggie's like, hmm, girls would be good sometimes. So he goes to see Tony, who I forgot was also in on this. Oh, yeah. Because at first I was like, why is he talking to Tony? I forgot the entire way through that Tony was in on it. But he goes to talk to Tony, being like, hey, maybe some girls? And Tony's like, you want me to steal my girlfriend's vixens while she's busy dealing with maple? I don't know, Reggie. I don't know what the show is. Well, <laughs> and also, <laughs> be like, no. That would be weird. What wouldn't be weird is if we tickle you. I'm like, this is getting very dommy at this point. <laughs> like, there, the, there are so many references to it is not sexual, and at every moment it is very sexual. And then they have basically a frat party at the Maple Club. <laughs> they pull, like, they pull names out of football helmets, it, and everyone sits in the other room while they go to the bedroom and guess get. And one-on-one just tickle each other. Now, I will say Kevin and Fangs look a little bit uncomfortable during this scene. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, Reggie doesn't. Reggie does treat this like, ah, oh, who's re- who's next to compete? <laughs> Endurance sports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What have you been learning this quarantine season? Well, the same thing you've been learning from BuzzFeed. Oh, BuzzFeed. <laughs> and then linking to other articles as well. So BuzzFeed put out an article that was like 25 or 15 or something. 35, I think. Facts that you will be surprised about now, about Riverdale. No, we are not going to go through the entire list because honestly, some of them are boring. Some of them aren't facts. Uh, one of them is KJ Appa has to dye his hair every two weeks. <laughs> yeah, and one of them is an opinion. Um, but we're going to begin with the first one you see on the list, which was absolute news to us. And they just throw it out there like it doesn't mean anything, like it doesn't shatter the show into a million pieces. This fact, which can be, you know, sort of supported by other news articles. Yeah, I found other news articles to support it. Is that the reason that Jughead Jones is not in the season finale of last season when they're all standing around the fire burning his hat. The reason that Jughead Jones is not in that scene is because Cole Sprouse was cold. Now, there are layers to that. And weirdly enough, none of it reflects on Cole Sprouse. I'm not going to be like, oh, an actor being too much of a diva to be out there. No, the fact that the fact that Cole said to Roberto... It's Roberto in this time. Sometimes we say him as sort of a stand-in for the entire show. But in this case, Roberto. Roberto, hey, I'm cold. I don't want to do this. And Roberto's like, I'm going to rewrite the entire fourth season. Now, according to, I think KJ said this, um, that they've been playing with the idea of maybe Jughead wouldn't be there. Um, and this just sort of cemented them into that idea. I thought that was Camilla who said that. KJ was just like, yeah, Cole was cold. He wasn't in the scene. I don't know. So I thought more... he was the one who spilt the initial beans and the rest of them tried to like backpedal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe that. Um, but yeah, we were planning this idea and then we did, this sort of just cemented it. What was the other... Uh, what was the original option? Yeah, what would the season have been if Jughead was in that scene? That they all murdered someone together? Okay, we will get into that one, but well, I mean, let's just do that right now. So the next episode's title is Killing Mr. Honey. Now, that does not mean that they're actually going to kill Mr. Honey. We're going to have to wait until we see that episode. But we do know that it ends with a cliffhanger. My prediction is maybe, maybe originally it was going to be the four of them and there was a murder and they were covered in blood and the season was going to be who did they murder. Mm. But then... 
Cole Sprouse was, was cold, cold, didn't want to do the shoot, and instead they did this whole other murder plot that might kind of make sense why the, sh- the Stonewall arc feels so, like, sure. self-contained. Or- Is, it might be that he... that. They even say like, "Oh, it might it could be a cool thing to explore." I'm like, "That's that's not." It just proves that he doesn't think ahead. Or all season were we to know that Jughead would be alive, and then it was going to be a, why did he fake his death? Who tried to kill him? Who's in on it? Would that have been it? Yeah, but that that almost feels that kind of boring. The suspense. Yeah, like the the fact that 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 that, cr- that the thing that became the crux of. And let's be clear, at this point, three quarters of the season was going to be something else. And even if they were deciding between the two, they got all the way up to the shoot day and they were shooting it and they didn't know which which... one they were doing. And those would be so wildly different. That's like deciding deciding whether or not Ned Stark would die at the end of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah, it just... um... Season one. You know, spoiler for 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, it's such a integral part of the storyline that being like, ah, we don't know. We figured it out on the day. It just, it makes, and I cannot, it makes no sense. I cannot imagine what the other journey was going to be. So you know what, writer's room? At this point, like, you showed your hand by giving us the season. (laughs) So tell us what the alternative storyline was. Yeah, at this point, we kind of got it. I th- it might be Mr. Honey. It yeah, you be- know what? Give us... Though, if, if that's the case, and... and oh, No, you know what? I We haven't seen next, next, next week's episode. I'm done with trying to predict this show. <laughs> but you know what? Like, no one is filming on film sets right now. Make us a featurette. Like, you know, do it YouTube style. Do recordings in your house. And tell us about different storylines that you were imagining doing. Or that you, is interesting content for the audience. Or you know what? Just send out a tweet. That will look fine as well. <laughs> or that. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Hiram is going to fist fight the Moys. <laughs> it's all Veronica's fault. So he, he, he fights who I think thought was Jace, but actually isn't. No, it's a junior Malloy. Mm-hmm. He beats him up pretty good. He makes A mini real... Malloy, if you will. He Yes, he is a mini Malloy. Yeah. Beats him real good, makes him pretty scared, is going to shoot him, but then his hand shakes. Oh, no, I didn't see. I thought that he just like, I mean, he does shake as he's going to like yeah, yeah. Pull out. But I don't I don't know if that's a sign towards his illness or anything. Oh. Well anyway, he doesn't shoot him. Yeah, the, the point yeah, he decides not to shoot him. Um and then as he's walking away, <laughs> the Malloy guy decides beating him up. Drops his keys and oh, that's an opportunity for some real beats. Yeah, because the the Malloys, uh, they don't play fair and honorably, you know, like Hiram does, sending hitman after teenagers. <laughs> Where are all your hitmen today, Hiram? It almost feels like they want us to compare Hiram to the Malloys and the Malloys are worse. They're on par with the things that Hiram has done. <laughs> but not this season. Not this season. Speaking of confrontations, Jughead confronts Charles being like, why you go after Ethel, dude? And he gets a, uh, a videotape uh, that was found in Ethel's house. Meanwhile, Veronica arrives home, and there are bloody handprints all over her house. <laughs> oh my god, there's so much! There's so much blood. And my question is, where that blood from? It's from Hiram. Where? I don't know. Because oh, we see him shortly, all and over the only him. thing that is bleeding is a very small cut on his forehead. It's like down his chest. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know, Baron. <laughs> I, I I agree with you. It's a lot of blood. 
and Veronica's like, what did you do? And he's like, I fist fought a man, but I didn't shoot him because I had a weakness of will. I'd grown weak and soft. Uh, I wasn't strong enough to murder that man. <laughs> Meanwhile, Betty reads her diary. In this case, she hates Cheryl Blossom because Cheryl Blossom made Archie kiss her because they both have red hair. In probably fifth grade. Accurate. <laughs> and that is something that Cheryl has tried to do after that as well. <laughs> God, I hate the Blossoms. Speaking of the Blossoms, Cheryl arrives. She wants two pages in the yearbook so she can do a tribute to Jason, who should have graduated three years <laughs> who, ago. Who clearly had already had a <laughs> a tribute. You don't. You don't get to tribute him every year. I'm just going to say, Cheryl. Can we also mention, this is the second time this show has made this um, town seem very, very small. Each senior gets their own page in the yearbook. I mean... That's a lot. That's a lot. That means that means the graduating class is pretty small. It's probably about 60, but... Um... In Maple Ridge, which is where I graduated high school, not yep. our high school, because our high school is a little bit too big. Um, we each got like a quarter page. Yeah. But other high schools in that town, each senior got a full page. Yeah. I mean, as, as, which was not that small of a town. Yeah. As, as, as to clarify, it, this is one of those things that makes River, like, River. It, it seem small. Riverdale and its constantly shifting size, depending on your perspective or the need. Oh, it's the, it's the town of requirement. It's whatever size it needs to be for what you need from it. And while we mused on that, Cheryl read Betty's 10-year-old diary. <laughs> and decides that clearly those feelings are still accurate. It proves that she was right about Betty and Archie, but then she says, Betty, Archie is a fantasy. We can't live in a world of fantasies. Here in Riverdale, you and Jughead found each other, and that's real, so you, you should be with him. You've li- you love the idea of Archie. This is wild coming from... Cheryl. Who hung out with a corpse and a doll. They need to stop giving Cheryl moments of lucidity. <laughs> I mean, you know, she Is... comes in and out of the reverie. <laughs> yeah, like, especially in this scene, it is so clear the moment that, like... She breaks through the fantasy that holds her back and is like, Betty, I'm here. You have to save me. I'm trapped in the uh, in the upside down. She even speaks like a human. <laughs> yeah, no, it's these lines, I think, were written for a different character. Like Kevin? Yeah, and then and then given to uh Cheryl. Speaking of Kevin, Kevin is just hanging out by himself at Pop Tate's, eating a burger, and then Terry and two Confederates come. And this is two, hilarious. Call them ticklers, Aaron. You gotta call them ticklers. This is hilarious, because these two strong buff tifflers are grabbing Kevin's hands. You know, like, when you're going up against a football player and you're gonna beat his knee so he can never football again? Yeah, Kevin, you're never gonna tickle again. Once again, tonally, this is, this is, it's played dark, but this still feels very, like, sitcom-esque. Like, a bunch of ticklers come in to throw... Like, this... Terry could be played by French Stewart. <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded of the scene in the community when Abed does the, uh... He gets in, he gets in deep to the impersonators. <laughs> yeah. This this is exactly this moment. Except that it's Riverdale, so it's played way too seriously. Yeah, and even in community, it's played seriously, but it's played seriously... Despite it, with a dis- tone. despite its it, despite its um its obviousness or ridiculousness, and I guess maybe this is the Lynchian part. So, in a shocking turn of events, Terry has found out about their website, and he wants. <laughs> I was on OnlyFans, and I found something. 
He wants 40% of the profits. It, of course Terry looks up tickling videos to find yeah. out what's going on. It's Duh. That, it's just business, and there's not a lot of tickling videos. I wouldn't know, but... Which is why Kevin should have just said, hey, I'm going to strike it out on my own. Thanks for all the opportunities. But, you know... He's that, a child. And this is dramatically appropriate. Dramatically appropriate. So Ethel's kind of freaking out at her locker... Because Jughead is just creepily staring at her behind her locker. <laughs> yeah, turns out the video that um, he was given was Jughead and Betty's sex tape from Stonewall. You know, the one that Brett Whelan Wallace said, made. <laughs> yeah, those words. Or something like them. We cannot remember his name. And then we learn the true secret of the Blue Velvet. Turns out behind the Blue Velvet are in a secret room. I think Ethel's a in secret. In a second room. In a second room. Through a very thin um, <laughs> curtain, as we'll find out, is the Scarlet Suite. And it is an adult store, but, whoa, very adult. Like, very dark. But for live tapes. Voyeur tapes. Yeah, essentially it sounds like they, they're essentially sold to David, the guy in charge of the Blue Velvet. And there's, like, there's dark stuff back there. There's, like, snuff tapes and... And Ethel was just a little bit curious, just exploring something new. She found, she found a video called Ponytail Playmate, and I'm going to say she's lucky that wasn't a murder tape. And she, once she realized what it was, was like, I have to keep this forever so no one will ever see it. Sounds fun, is what she thought. <laughs> oh, Ethel. Oh, you sweet dummy. But you know what? I could see a 16-year-old. Just wandering back yeah. there being like, what's all this? I mean, all their names are are meant to be. I looked at some of the names I was going through. They're meant to be, like, very un uh, like like they're they're very dark if you understand the context of everything yeah like like this this is probably the this might be one of the darkest moments in Riverdale the re the revealing of like a snuff back room of this video store which if only Charles and Jughead had walked into the video store slightly further they easily <laughs> would have found it yeah the fact that like, they went to a 24 hour video store and was like this is legit i see a red <laughs> a red thing over there i'm not going to go through that though so Reggie um, does clarify to Kevin that the videos are a hit, even though Kevin is like, we got to give him 40% of our earnings, man. This is <laughs> Reggie's like, absolutely not. I'll take care of this. Yeah, and I, we, we might as well do this right now. Essentially, Reggie's like, let's meet the, four, uh, the five seasons. And when they do, what's Reggie's... Uh... <laughs> Or what's Reggie's solution? Well, remember when the football team was a militia? They're a militia again, but this time they're a tickle militia. Yeah, Reggie remembers that. The the the, the amount that this football team wants to keep tickling people. <laughs> they had fun. They liked it when the girls did it. <laughs> they also liked sometimes doing it to each other. Yes, yes. Because it's an endurance sport. This is an endurance. <laughs> you don't understand, man. It makes me better at football because endurance. I keep it in. <laughs> I don't stop breaking. Everyone says they like my laugh. The fa every time Terry says, "Is I you have a good laugh, very deep and bassy," tells me it's a sexual thing. But the boys don't realize. The boys that. are, realize, and I love the idea of these of these. Like this is what makes it a comedy. If these boys kept doing this like, and not realizing it's a sexual fetish, <laughs> then be like, you guys understand this is like a fetish thing, right? But no one tells them that. No one tells them. They just threaten Terry, and Terry. I assume this is not the last we'll see of him. But meanwhile. The FBI do a sting on the Blue Velvet. And Jug by do a sting, I mean walk slightly further <laughs> into the store. Um, 
they do a raid. <laughs> Sting is a different thing. Now, Jughead comes with, for Jug- he is FBI. Can we clarify that also Jughead called the FBI? I was so sure Jughead was going to walk in there by himself and nothing would ever come of this. Jughead did the right thing. He called the FBI on this creepy, creepy business. Because Jughead wants to clear Ethel's name with Charles. Yes. Now... He goes out there and he starts looking at some things. I wrote down some of the names. They're like the Black Hood Unmasked, the Black Hood Diaries, Mm. Pops After Hours, and then Vixen Blank. Uh, I couldn't see what the other one was. And he finds a tape. A maple murder. Meanwhile, outside, the guys are shouting, hey, no under 18s. The fact that Dave, I wrote down his name, the fact that David doesn't leave or run away like he's thinks like you know what the fbi is in my back room full of illegal tapes and possibly and what we're about to find on murder tapes um i'm probably good <laughs> so as we turn tipped our hand the maple murders tape is uh jason blossom's murder tape he doesn't even and he's like jigga doesn't have to play it because when you look on it it shows a steal from the tape which means ethel was full-on lying about the, the whole I did not know what was on it. She just wanted to see it, and then she never wanted anyone else to see it. Yeah, you know, she just... It's She it's loves fine. Jughead. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So, um, Cheryl no longer wants to be a part of this maple rum business, because it's not fun. She got in the business for fun. It's like Cheryl doesn't realize she will be destitute soon. Oh, yeah. Anyway... She makes this is an, another inclination of this show. Peep characters like forgetting the past. Cheryl makes a very weird thing. She's like some families have rum in their blood, and some have maple syrup, and some blood types just aren't compatible. I'm like Cheryl, you understand your family's your cocaine business. Yeah, your family is cocaine business, and all murderers like. <laughs> Uh, Veronica's family's rough, but I guess you could give them the credit that they're still together. And they're successful. It is a it is a wild thing for Cheryl to be like, no, my fa- my family blood is just way too sweet. I'm too pure for you. Her, she knows her background is two cousins killing each other and then inbreeding. It's If she did not say, if she said some people have rum in their blood and some have maple sugar then be fine but the fact she brings it to families when the blossoms are i think i might have to make the call worse than the lodges oh so worse even when you look even like because because they're mixing with the cooper so you have to bring the cooper stuff in there as well veronica handles this surprisingly well and shakes cheryl's hand and then <laughs> carries on yep and now it's the next day at school mr honey has uh called in Articlers, you know, Tony and Fangs and Kevin and... Yeah, the Tickle Kings. Well, you... <laughs> I demand you call me Joe Exotic. Uh, I'm not going to do that, Kevin. You call me Joe Exotic. No, that's Reggie. Reggie is Joe that's Exotic. The, oh, that's totally Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Topaz killed her wife. Uh, so he calls in... We saw her burning a body. Yeah, so he calls in the Tickle Kings um, and says... So someone called me about the fact that you guys are doing tickling videos. And I'm like, yeah, no, duh. Of course. It's so, of course, that's what Terry would do. And then Kevin's like, they're tickle videos. They're not sexual. Everyone <laughs> keeps their clothes on. Mr. Honey's like, it's so sexual. It, it's, it's just, it's so sexual. And then he points out, he has, oh, this line. Oh, this line. I'm sorry. I would like try to do a real sentence. But yeah. 
So he's like, but some of you were wearing vixen uniforms or bulldog jackets. And that brings up a myriad of legal and copyright laws. I feel like it's, it might just be the only thing his mind could go to. Which, he has no stick. Like, he's like, so you better take them down. No stick. He threatens no punishment. He had copyright laws. Yeah. They did I- not copyright their... Things. Yeah, the, the, be- the best thing he could do is that he could expel them from school, which is something we have seen people, like people who have made bad videos online and are essentially representing their school of getting like, punishments, school punishments. But he's like, like... <laughs> this is like tangential too. like, and also they don't have to take down the website, just take down the videos where they're wearing the jackets. Yeah, the do it, do it again, not wearing those stuff, man. It's not... It's not that hard. You're, you guys could definitely make more tickle videos. It, he's, essentially, he just wants the OnlyFans taken down. But Kevin, it brings up legal and copyright laws. Legal laws! Legal laws, he says. Yeah, no, legal laws is is a rough one. I, I had to stick with the copyright laws, because there has been, have also been history of certain play. like, I, I, I do not know the laws of their own, of how schools work. There's no way they copyrighted their uniforms. I mean, it, it might be the logos, because there has been history of um, companies suing uh, video, like, videos that have shown their uh, their logos in what they could, they could deem a demeaning way. It's. I'm just saying this uh, all no, no, real flimsy. No, yes, it is. It's a hundred percent flimsy. He's 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 just like, yeah. He he wants them to stop doing their obvious sex tickle videos, and he doesn't know how to explain it to them. It's it, and I agree. It will be hard to explain because if you saw a bunch of underage people doing like tickling each other, you'd be like, I know this isn't illegal. Damn, does it feel like it is. But it's honey, so he does it in the creepiest way possible. Yes. So speaking of things that we like. <laughs> Archie and Betty in the D storyline, which I kind of want to put as the A storyline, but. Archie plays his song for Betty, and it's intercut with shots of him playing music during the pilot. It's yep. very sweet. It is notable, once again, that the only scenes they can ever pick from are early first season, but. And then Betty interrupts because she loves Jughead and she just can't. And Betty gives a summary of a storyline we did not see, but is an amazing storyline for a teen drama. I'm not sure for Riverdale, but for a teen drama, because she says to Archie, I think maybe what it is, is that things are changing. We are going off to college. We're doing all these things and we feel safe with each other. And I don't think that means it's right. It just means we're scared. I mean, that is sort of what she and Jughead thought about last episode. Yeah. Which I didn't really like last episode with the context of her explaining it this episode. Yeah. Kind of get it more. Well, listen, this is the problem. And this is the thing I really have with the fact that this story beat and character is so great, but... It falls apart because it feels undeserved. Like, this moment is a cool story and a, and a, and a good arc. Like, if, if this was in, let's say, the OC. If this was in the OC and it was, um, oh, man, their names, Ryan and Marissa talking about getting back together after they had broken up and they're graduating and him being like, maybe we shouldn't because... You know, we're, things are changing and the world is different, but we know each other and that is the safety net. But maybe we have to sometimes be unsafe and risk it with people who we do love and are 
the future, not the past. Like, it's it's good. I like this. I don't like everything that led up to it. But where I, where I think certain writers thought they were going, Just very got kind of lost. So yeah. Archie plays his guitar to himself, and Molly Ringwald Andrews is like, that song's wonderful. Have you played Veronica yet? And he's like, hey, Mom, I'm going to go to Naval College. <laughs> yeah. And this even brings back the Naval College thing. Because yep. this brings back so much stuff. Because we will we see in the next scene after Betty, Betty burns her diaries. And she talks about how these are memories, but that's what they are. They're memories. And then Alice is like, maybe you should keep a little bit of your memories. Which, which is great. Well, nice, even, even in a metaphorical way. You do have to give up the past sometimes but you can still hold on to the good ones it's okay to keep just one yeah and then skipping ahead a little bit Jughead will eventually sort of be like like you know I have this other thing going on and Betty's like I'm in to this mystery I'm back in with you Jughead which reveals why earlier she was like I don't want to do this is because she was still stuck with Archie in her head Mm -hmm. and this also explains Archie's like Everything. This moment allows Archie to move forward from his dad, from everything, by learning, by hearing and figuring out the future is scary. And But just because it's scary doesn't mean we shouldn't have it. have it and go into it and embrace it. But it doesn't feel like it hit all the way there, especially in this episode. Because not every other scene or storyline... Meets those requirements. However, this is followed by another scene that is super sweet. Yeah. Again, kind of out of place, but the tickling storyline is essentially wrapped up by Fangs and Kevin hanging out. And Kevin says, do you really think, or first they talk about college, and Fangs reveals he gone to University of Pittsburgh on a scholarship? We don't know what scholarship. Tickling, maybe. I was going to say, maybe it's a bursary, like a poor kid from the wrong side of the track scholarship. Maybe. And Kevin's going to Carnegie Mellon, so they're going to be together near each other. Yeah. And they would like to date in a place that's not the cesspool that is Riverdale. They would like to find out what it's like to date outside of Riverdale. And this well, this feels more in line with the scene that, that Alice had with Betty. It's like there's there's this subplot that got dropped in the middle of the episode, then brought back up again for some characters about, hey, we're leaving to college. What does that mean? But it's not universal enough to really feel the theme. But the, but the parts where we do feel the theme are so good and feel so much like these characters are going somewhere. So this scene is wrapped up by Kevin saying, do you think Reggie was right that it was really Terry who called Honey? And then we <laughs> oh, have a reveal. Hold on. Hold on. Do you, think, do you think that Kevin called Honey? No. I think Honey looked up the videos by himself because he's a creep. <laughs> Their, their video... Okay, we'll, we'll explain the scene. Um, so, wildly enough, David has not been arrested and the blue velvet is still open, which I do not know what kind of lawyer David had, but he was really good. And he tells Holden, Mr. Holden Honey. Yep. Oh, man, he's Holden Honey. And he tells Holden, oh, no, there are no more sexy videos. They were all taken by the FBI. And Mr. Honey is basically like, good. Probably, Good. probably for the best. Um, I don't. I think Honey found it himself. The clair- but that seems to imply that Reggie was selling his tapes to the Scarlet Suite. No, no, I just think that Mr. Honey just watches creepy videos across the board. Oh, you think this was just a yeah Scarlet Suite that? internet everywhere? Yeah. Um, the thing that I have here, and this is really going to depend on what comes up next, is because it seems like in in this moment we're supposed to be like, oh my god, Mr. Honey is a creep. He was looking at the Scarlet Sweet things. But we're also at the same time supposed to forgive Ethel 
for because Ethel was keeping that video safe. I'm I'm thinking that may- <laughs> uh, Aaron, this is really different from you from the earlier seasons when you wanted when you knew Ethel was up to something bad, and now yeah, you're like, I always thought she was up to something bad, and she never was. So now I know. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, no. If she Ethel could murder someone in the street, you'd be like, she was trying to keep them safe. I have learned from the show. I think maybe it's supposed to portray him as a hypocrite, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know. We I, we we can't. Mr. Honey is someone that we cannot clarify what he's supposed to be until we see the end of his story, I guess. So while this is happening, Veronica is asking her dad for money so she can buy Cheryl out of the business. And Hiram's like, hmm, excellent. But Veronica, you never want to work with me. And Veronica, because she is, she has no standards, or she, no, it's not that she has no standards. Because Veronica is always wondering, is my dad bad? <laughs> and, she, and she's always looking for proof that he's not bad. Yeah, and she is, it's, she is very easily swayed by arguments. So she has seen the tiniest proof that her dad is not bad because he did not shoot that Malloy. <laughs> and she, I, she says that, like, you didn't go back to your old habits. And I want to say that phrase shows more than anything how morally bankrupt Veronica is because she treats his, like, criminal and violent tendencies like he smokes too much. It's his old habits, you know? It also shows how dumb she is because he definitely has been <laughs> he, doing it all along. He, um, yeah, we see we see in a flashback, flash side, that he immediately goes back and kills Jace Malloy. He kills the, man, the main Malloy. <laughs> yeah, he's like, sorry, I shouldn't have messed with your kids. Anyway, boom! <laughs> now your kids won't mess with mine. Now, I don't know, like, it could be implying that this is actually after Veronica. I really hope this was just before, because this is supposed to be, like, the next day, which means literally he's like, oh, I got the crap beaten out of me. Anyway, better go back and kill those people. And then Veronica's like, I love you, Dad. You didn't kill those people. He's like, yeah, I sure did it. Haha, <laughs> back to business for Hiram. <laughs> it's, and this show kind of treats as like, oh, Hiram killed Jace as, as like, as like, oh my god. It's, it's like, not a surprise at all. Yeah. I'm, and you know what? Out of all of the killings that Hiram has done, <laughs> I forgive him the most for this one, because this grown man did threaten his child. It... <laughs> Yeah, there's that. There's, it's just it's it's it, it, the show. The show does it in this in this weird way where it's supposed to be like, oh my god, we thought he was going to be redeemed, and we never thought he was going yeah, to be no redeemed. One thought, well, he, he, maybe we're supposed to. I, I think we're supposed to as well, but he never got him. Like the only moment that showed him, oh, he may be being a better person, was this episode five minutes earlier, and really he didn't shoot the guy because he had to go get medical attention. So, um. Finally, to wrap up this episode, we already sort of acknowledge that Betty is going to do some things with Jughead. Yep. Jughead tells her about the video, and Betty's like, hmm, well, is, that'll happen. This is, yeah, so uh, I guess there are assumptions that Brett made a copy of the tape, because they got the tape back, made a copy of the tape, and sold it to the Scarlet Suite. Can we mention the fact that the, there's this large crux for a lot of the episode of the last season? Uh, no, it wasn't even last season, that was this season. Um, that, oh, Brett's going to, if he released that tape, that's going to be bad. He's going to release the tape. And then he kind of does it, and Betty and Jughead just go, <laughs> Well, you know what? I listened actually quite recently to yeah. one of our episodes about that. Betty never cared about him releasing the tape. Yeah. So Betty's not bothered by this. I mean, yeah, the, that that makes sense. Um, but it's, it does seem like this weird. Um, Jughead cared a lot. Betty was like, meh. It does seem like this weird post 
de-staking of the high stakes of being like, ah, ah, he did it anyways, who cares? I mean, Jughead got to raid a video store, so he got to get his anger out, and Betty never cared. Yes, you had. Jughead's an FBI agent. Uh, so they, this ends with Jughead getting a call from Cheryl. And they go to Cheryl's house, and there was a tape waiting on their steps, and it is another creepy mask video, but this creepy mask video is of Jason Blossom's murder, and Cheryl says, why are they attacking me? <laughs> she goes, what the? Okay, um... They're, they're not. not. <laughs> so, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I see, find a moment where logic returned to its old habits and devolved into drama by shooting a Malloy? <laughs> I did. And you know... I we've like kind of belabored this we won't have much to talk about but I think my CW moment is honey finding out about the tickle ring <laughs> like oh the tickle ring there was no payoff it's not like that scene with Kevin and Fangs was like oh well thank god we're out of tickle videos yeah like it was just like or alternatively it could also be honey being like hey Betty do the yearbook <laughs> Either one of those. Yeah, him giving her something, I thought what he gave her was going to be the thing. But no, it's just the fact that she agreed to do the yearbook videos and then forgot about it. And then no, there was no like culpability in there of someone being like, hey, by the way, yearbooks? There's no yearbook staff. There's no faculty advisor. Well, that's dumb. There's yeah. no faculty advisor for anything. No. And the one thing, one time that Honey tried to put in a faculty advisor for cheerleading, yeah. Cheryl locked her the- into a room and she died. Oh my god, we haven't seen her. She's definitely dead. Yeah. She's full dead. She's definitely she did, still locked in that room. She did nothing wrong. Even, even Honey is portrayed as super, super creepy. But if you just take his stuff out of context, he's done nothing wrong. He's just a creep. There's one thing. No, no, he did prank He did prank Reggie. And he did get Cheryl's party shut down at her house. Yeah. Which is well outside of his jurisdiction. Yeah, he's acting outside of his jur- jurisdiction. Here's the thing. You, talking about the tone of stuff, you could redo what Tony at Honey has done. And he could be the main character of a series where he's an unconventional principal who's who's kind of a jerk. And he pranks his own students and he like... So he's basically Dr. House. Yeah, oh, oh my god, yeah, yeah. He's just Dr. House. <laughs> oh my god, Dr. Honeyhouse. Dr. <gasps> Beehive. <laughs> Kevin, did you find a CW moment? Oh man, there's a lot in this one. Um, <laughs> I but I'm going to decide, and I don't know if there's another way they could do it. But the fact that because it's something that I wrote down, and then it happened, which is when Veronica was to her dad and said, "Dad, you're too weak to fight them." And then he went and fought them with his fists. Well, yeah, I'm like, why? Why, why would, would you assume that? Well, and then why would he do it? Why should the audience assume that Hiram, who is shown to be the man in black, the man who has contacts everywhere, who has in the past just hired people to do hits because that's what Hiram does. Decide to go and fist fight the Malloy. Like, the fact he didn't even have backup. I understand him going because he wants to do an impression on them. To be like, hey, leave my daughter alone. But the fact that he didn't come in with, like, a bunch of men in black suits and well, you, kick the hell out of these guys and be like, you leave my daughter alone. You know the reason he went alone is because Veronica said you were too weak. Yeah, Veronica prompted that. I do want to do, we have to do an, we mentioned it, but I do have to do an honorable mention to Veronica immediately assuming that her dad is actually a good person when he has 
only he he's shown it by not killing someone. He's not done anything good. He has not done something bad. Which <sighs> I don't know. That was that was this um episode, and there's I had a thought as I was watching it, and it was sort of got more and more confirmed as we. I'm not confirmed because you know nothing's confirmed in this series. Um, but as we went through, and the fact like these these storylines never touched each other, and they all felt very distant, and they all felt tonally like the difference between the tickling storyline and Betty and Archie and uh, Jughead and um, uh, God, what was the B story? Oh, Veronica, and like all those ones. Yeah. The fact that they all felt tonally different. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder if this is not a re-edited version of the of the stuff they had shot from other episodes. That's possible. That they're trying to get some of it in, and they just like were like, okay, well, we have one more episode, but because they shoot in blocks, so they could have. Well, and we do know that they were partially through the twentieth episode when they had to shut yeah. down. So it's possible they may have shifted certain things into this episode that didn't totally fit because this episode is called Lynchian. So the idea is things are Lynchian. The most Lynchian thing I would actually say might be. Kevin Tickle Rings, because that is incredibly macabre, but incredibly mundane. Well, I was going to suggest they just did a clumsy version of it, having very mundane storylines and very macabre storylines. Oh, maybe. Maybe. It, but maybe, that, maybe that's what it is. Maybe is that this is this is not the editing that they expected it to be, so they just sort of, like, slotted things in, and that might be why it's... Some of the college stuff. And yeah. It's possible. It, yeah. Like, maybe some of that college stuff was supposed to come in a lot later um as they're getting towards the end of them being like oh this maybe the betty and archie thing was supposed to kind of be a final a season finale thing of betty being like hey do so, this uh we've already put a call out for this but give us your uh online video or your tweets writer's room yeah i mean i want an online video that's edited together with you guys talking in your spaces but we'll accept a tweet yeah if, if they're allowed to do that um i just very quickly am thinking i'm 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 somewhat wondering so the whole tape thing is them is like someone reenacting essentially the the crimes of the town and it's it, cuz cuz they he remember he he pointed out the JJ tape which was in the Scarlet Suite mm-hmm. so is the implication there that maybe Mr. Honey was going to Scarlet Suite, finding the like the tapes of the bad stuff and reenacting it. Well, there's no tape of Jughead and Betty. That's the, co- that's, that's the question I have about that. Um, but I'm wondering if this is going to this is going to end up being once again another Black Hood situation of someone punishing the town for its sinful ways. Which Maybe seems over- I I would be surprised if that's what it ended up being. But the fact that they have both the JJ thing and the Betty and Jughead thing, and keep, keep in mind they. They're actually wrong about what happened in the woods. They're doing it based off of some incorrect ideas. I think the villain is Honey, and I think he's just lashing out at the kids that he thinks are the most annoying. <laughs> well, again, the next episode is called Killing Mr. Honey. So Which means the next video is going to be of Archie killing that boy in the woods. <laughs> They're ha- I'm saying that, that Mr. Honey needs to do something a lot worse for <laughs> for. <laughs> if we're going to have to be like, ah, oh, now he now he's going to get his comeuppance, which could happen in the next episode. Well, you know what he's going to do? He's going to remove everyone from prom. I, I I still just wonder if the original version of this was the four of them in the woods and they had just killed Mr. Honey. And that, that was going to be the season was essentially Mr. Honey's, like, power over everybody. But because they had this idea of, oh, maybe, maybe Jughead's dead, his entire, like, character arc got... 
split. But they were sending him to Stonewall anyway, so that seems... Mm, I don't think they were. I think Stonewall was until the beginning of this season? I thought it came up at the end of last season, but it's it's unimportant. Yeah. Like, not on a whim would they develop a whole new set. And I think I saw an article that Mr. Honey and Brett were cast at the same time. Okay. It was thing where they were writing about, like, new characters this season. Yeah. And whether or not they were from the comic book. So if yeah. Mr. Honey and Brett were cast at the same time. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, because everything's going to shift around because of they had to, um, uh, you know, change up the how their season was going. We'll have to sort of, sort of figure out what's going to happen next week. This was a little bit longer episode, but we, you know, we were... We were gone last week. Here's some extra content for you. We hope you like it. We hope you like it. Uh, this episode was real funny uh, <laughs> of Riverdale. Yeah, you know if you just listen to us and don't watch it, you should watch this one. This, this episode is wild and hilarious. And, <laughs> and maybe it's intended. Maybe we were supposed to stop and... It, it's it, the, the, the problem is that because they named the episode Lynchian and said, like, oh, no, it's inspired by David Lynch, I feel like there's nothing they can do in this episode, and they cannot just be like, nah, it's done on purpose. They did it on purpose. Because Lynch is so surreal that they'd be like, no, no, it's on purpose. The, 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 t- the tonal shifts, that's that's on purpose. It's, it's purposely supposed to be disorienting. But I hate those arguments. I hate the um, Lars von Trier, like... The writer's arguments where it's like, you know, no, it's weird. That, or it's, it's like, off put. Like, it's bad. Like, it's it's jarring, and that's on purpose. Like, That's why I hate performance art. Yeah. Hot take. I hate performance art. <laughs> if you like performance art, you can tell me. Hit me up on the social meds. It's Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, on Instagram, on Twitter. Or you can email us your rants about how performance art is good, which it's not. Or you can give us your own hot takes at on... <laughs> PodcastMOA at gmail.com. Yeah. Well, this, this week we're hot take week. Give us your hottest takes. I hate performance art. All right. We'll see you next week. What is Mr. Honey up to? Who will be featured in the next tape? Are you excited for the Tickle King follow-up episode? I hear it's going to be hosted by Joel McHale. For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fancast?